largest chapter in, in your book, The Future is Asian, and certainly a large part of that chapter, kind of talks about technocratic government. Right. Uh, and I think that in the West, we don't fully understand or appreciate mm -hmm. kind of what technocratic government actually right. means. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe you can sort of walk us through what it means from an academic standpoint, sure. but then also what it means in, in yeah. different Asian countries. Yeah. Well, I won't belabor the academies, <laughs> but you know, it's not an Asian idea by any mm -hmm. stretch. I mean, yes, you can say that China has 5,000 years of uh, hierarchical tradition and governance and um, you know, a professional civil service and Confucian-oriented uh, kind of institutions. Yes, that's true. But the idea, the modern idea of technocracy is actually a French idea and, uh, and, a, and a German idea, really, from the 19th century. So I refer to it in a very non-cultural way, in the sense of what are the ends and means of governance and the institutions that best promote national objectives. So let's be as neutral as possible because it is a global concept yeah. around governance. And it doesn't necessarily de-emphasize democracy. We'll come back to that. Yeah. You know, it just comes back to institutions. And in technocracy, you want to have, a, 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 whether it's the executive branch or civil service and other entities, be meritocratic, right? You want to have obviously a sort of, I don't want to say ruling class or caste, but you want to have, a, a, again, a, a class of civil servants and professionals who are bureaucrats, who are trained for the job. And I think that Europeans, uh, Asians, have an innate deference towards that professionalism, which is obviously a good thing. You know, it's proved them well. And if you look at some of the foremost democracies in the world, uh, a number of them are in Asia, like Japan, like Taiwan, like South Korea. Well, what do they have in common? Not only are they fully-fledged liberal democracies, which is proof that democracy and technocracy are not opposites. They're first-rate civil service institutions. They're highly technocratic governments in terms of the functioning of government. They're a lot like Germany. Right? They're incredibly a lot like Germany in, the, in that sense. But they also need to be utilitarian and long-term oriented. And again, even though there is an, an, as, as, innately, as innate an impulse for democracy and self-expression as you have in the West, you also have in Asia. And people forget that. Remember that the majority of people in the world live in Asia. The majority of people who live in democratic countries in the world live in Asia. More people in Asia live in democracies than in non-democracies. China does not represent Asia. Taught, taught all factually true tautology right there. So it's not about antithesis. But when we ask what do Asian government societies aspire to see in their governments, they don't aspire to see democracy for the sake of it. They want to see outputs. And so I'll just give one tiny wonky kind of commentary. There's a difference between input legitimacy and output legitimacy. In Western societies, we have, we're very proud of our input legitimacy. We had a free and fair and democratic multi-party election, but we don't emphasize enough the output legitimacy. Did the government get anything done? Did it meet its KPIs, right, its key mm -hmm. performance indicators? And I think it's a very good thing that Asians think about accountability in terms of output legitimacy, right? It's not enough to have been elected. Mm -hmm. Did you do something? And that's why when you look at the democracies in Asia, even the, let's say just take the developing democracies, India, Indonesia, Philip, the Philippines. Now these are, that's a combined population of about 1.8 billion people in those three countries. Mm -hmm. Now these are rough places to be in yeah. politics. These are coarse 
democracies, to put it kindly, right? In many respects, they're illiberal democracies as well. But you do have electoral accountability. You do have people who have full access to information. You do not have vast information asymmetries in these societies, right? Let's remember, every Indian election is the biggest election in the world. People know. I was born in India. I have a lot of family who vote there all the time. And believe me, they're arguing and debating. They've got a lot of options, right? Uh, whether a, is, a certain location is rigged or biased is a different story. But that happens everywhere. There is no question that. Uh, they are choosing to elect these governments that we think of from the outside as being somewhat roguish, thuggish, you know, and so mm -hmm. forth. I just urge people to look at things from the citizen's point of view because they want to see clean streets. You know, they want to see infrastructure get built. They want to see trash collection. They want to see a strong military. They want to see a long-term campaign of modernization, which is why they support Modi, they support Duterte, Jokowi, warts and all. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying that these leaders are great. I'm not saying they're perfect. Not at all. Yeah. But the people, even in democracies in Asia, like the idea of, again, a long-term, um, professionally run civil service that's getting things done. Yeah. No, and I think that, I mean, the interesting thing there that you chat about as well is just the trust that uh, many of these countries yes. have in their government right. relative to the trust that uh, some democracies in the West, or lack of yeah. trust the citizenry So have. glad you mentioned it because this is one of the very important things coming into a pandemic when you don't know when you're entering a pandemic, but you are all of a sudden. Having that baseline of a very high degree of public satisfaction in the mm -hmm. government is an enormously important factor when you're trying to convince people to download contact tracing apps and wear masks. Yes. It also helps to have been through the SARS epidemic, you know, 18 years ago. But so important to have that degree of trust. And yeah. what are we seeing right now as we speak right now, you know, in, in Western countries, people don't trust each other and don't trust their yeah. government. That's yeah. a big problem. And I think that from the West looking in, and I think COVID is a great example of kind of the nuances of how the governments run. I think they look, and I'm obviously curious to get your view here, but they look at the ease with which people download uh, a tracing app or wear a mask kind of across Asia and view it more as uh, being compliant, learning right. to be compliant yeah. over time. But really, it, it is born out of trust more than right. compliance. Yeah. And so it seems like even in a non uh, pandemic scenario right. that things are therefore also easier to get done. And I'm just sort of curious, making controversial decisions uh, in a non-pandemic environment, but that not everyone will agree with, right. how easier or harder is it to do that uh, in many of these countries where there is trust in the government relative to somewhere like the U.S.? Well, we should remember that Asian societies, by and large, are actually quite diverse. So it's not as easy as it looks from the mm -hmm. outside. When people look at Asian societies and say, oh, they're so obedient, it's like, wait a minute, now actually you're talking about very diverse, yeah. multi-ethnic societies, multilingual, huge degree of inequality, certainly have their political tensions. We can't, on the one hand, look at Asian countries and fear the, the kind of you know, fissures 
in the society one day and the next day say, oh, they're all just homogenous and obedient. You can't have it both ways. The truth is it's very difficult to pull off what Asians have pulled off here. It's have that high degree of solidarity. And solidarity is not quite the same as just the trust in government. It's a sense, again, of a communal ethos that you and I may be of different ethnicities, but hey, we're citizens of the same country, we're residents of the same country. At a bare minimum, we have an obligation to each other to wear a mask, right? Or everything doesn't have to be political, right? If epidemiology and common sense says wear a mask, you know, we wear a mask, even if, the, even if we didn't trust the government, yeah. you know, we know that we should do it. And I think that's a good thing to have a distinction between the things that, you know, it's sort of where it's open season and everything can be political versus some things are not controversial or politicized because they don't need to be in the first place. Yeah. And I think that pragmatism and solidarity are other aspects of what I call the new Asian values. So technocratic governance is one and the sense of social solidarity is another. This podcast is for information purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of Ford Asset Management. This podcast has not been reviewed by the Monetary Authority of Singapore. Ford Asset Management is licensed with the Monetary Authority of Singapore.